Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joan. On today's episode, we are giving our do's and don'ts of the Dopey Challenge. So the marathon weekend sign-up is coming up uh, in a few weeks here. So if you're interested in doing the Dopey or you're interested in running any of basically the marathon races, doing a run Disney, but kind of more specifically the Dopey, going to go over Angela's lessons learned uh, from <laughs> doing it this past January. Exactly. Yeah, lessons learned and learned and things that I knew going in that I w- wanted to prep for. Or you wish you knew, right? Like things like you yeah, wish you knew was, some of it. Yeah, there was there was a few things, but for the most part, I, one, I knew a lot of it because I've run we run half marathons I, before. I will tell you, there is something I wish yeah, I knew. I was going to say you going learned. into the race. I didn't even run the dopey, but there's something I wish I knew. So if that's not a tease to keep listening. I don't know what is. so. Uh, but before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. Pretty big news. Dole Whip is going to be sold in stores. So before you could only get Dole Whip at Disney Parks, they announced that they're going to be selling it in stores. I don't know you know, if this is going to kind of be like when they sold Mickey bars in stores where it was a Mickey bar, but it was a little bit different. It wasn't the exact same thing. Um, or if this is going to be just as good as getting it in the parks, but Kind of exciting that you'll be able to get Dole Whip anytime now. Yeah, and, and this is kind of interesting and maybe a little controversial, but I don't think I'll buy it. Like, I think I would rather have it's it in the, the park magic in the park as a park treat. Not to mention, I really like it as with soft serve vanilla ice cream. Like, I'm a twist person. I don't like just the plain Dole Whip by itself. It's just too much of a good thing, I think. And with the cream, it sort of counterbalances it. So, I mean, yeah, could I get vanilla ice cream and eat it with that? I'm sure I could do that, but really the magic of the parks and getting it there. I think that's really what makes it. Yeah, I'll try it. Like I said, I mean, we tried the Mickey bars when they came out. They're good, but again, they're not as good as getting them in the park. So I'm definitely interested in trying this to see. Yeah, again, we'll we'll is, definitely try it to say it, something on the podcast. Yeah, is, sure. is it an exact replica of the Dole Whip in the parks or is it going to be a little bit different? But yeah, pretty interesting um, that you're going to be able to get this in stores. Uh, Disney also announced their new island, Lighthouse Point. Uh, this is for the Disney Cruise Line down in the Bahamas. is going to be ready in 2024. So a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, maybe they announced some uh, concept art for this it looks pretty expansive of kind of what they're building down there and uh and so we got an announcement that it's going to be ready in 2024 so a pretty quick turnaround on that so anybody interested in maybe doing a disney cruise maybe didn't uh get a chance to book a 2023 cruise yet if you're starting to look at those early 2024 bookings whenever those come out a little added bonus there you could potentially get to lighthouse point right now are there is there going to be uh like a 5k there as well yeah, I don't know if they'll have that because they, they do have the Castaway Key 5K. So I'm not sure if they'll have something out at Lighthouse Point or not. It remains to be seen. Probably not next year because I, I doubt it will be ready in January um, whenever they typically have that. But it may be 2025. I feel like they're going to just get like one more island and then make like almost like a dopey challenge of island hopping and running a race. Yeah, just run yeah run races at all the islands. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. All right, and another thing kind of sticking with uh, Disney Parks is that Disney announced um, whenever they released the schedule for the Galactic Star Cruiser this fall that they are going to be cutting down the number of voyages. So starting in October, they're only going to be running two voyages uh, a week. So it's not going to be a continual voyage like it is now. It's basically only on 
uh, weekend. So I think there's one that starts on Friday and then that runs till Sunday and then one that starts on Sunday and runs till Tuesday. So basically Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, there are no voyages on this. And Disney announced um, kind of as part of this that they have learned a lot in the year since the Star Cruiser has been open operationally. And so that's part of the reason why they are making this adjustment. You know, I think there's been a lot of reports on bookings have been light on the Star Cruiser. And I think a lot of people wrongly jump on that as look at this giant failure uh, of Disney. Nobody wants to go to it. Uh, it definitely is expensive. And I think that's one of the reasons why people kind of pile on to a certain extent of it's too expensive. You know, Disney should just lower the price. Obviously, nobody wants to go. Uh, and this definitely does not look good in the fact that, you know, if they had. 100% bookings, they wouldn't be doing this. But I think you can't say just because bookings are low, this is a failure. It's a very boutique hotel. It's only got 100 rooms. It's not meant to be something that millions of people come to a year. It's meant to be something that tens of thousands of people come to a year. So I really think this is, you know, Disney, again, kind of like they say, learning operationally what works. Um, it definitely makes sense if you are you know, 50% booked and you can have that same number of people over two cruises versus four cruises in a week, you're obviously saving money. I think the other thing that, that remains to be seen and is a potential interesting development that could happen is now that they have essentially three days with nobody on it, at least in the fall, do they have some sort of add-on you know, one day add-on for you to go to the parks? Do they have some sort of, which I would pay money, good money for this couple hundred dollars, a behind the scenes tour of Ooh. go to the star cruiser. So, you know, Tuesday people are getting off the cruiser, but Wednesday and Thursday when they're just, you know, cleaning up, kind of getting ready for the Friday one, have kind of like a keys to the kingdom tour where you can go and visit this thing and see the control center behind it or I bet it's insane. How, yeah, how they make this. I think people who are fans of the Star Cruiser have been on it would love to do that, love to see behind the scenes. I think even people that are just interested, again, in theme park technology maybe can't afford to go on the Star Cruiser. Maybe Star Wars isn't their thing. I think would love to see kind of that behind the scenes. Even people that love theater because it basically is an immersive theater. It's a production every day. Um, I think something like that would be pretty incredible. So I think that will be interesting to see. Is you know, You're going to have days now where – you're basically not making any money off of it. So I'm sure Disney will find some sort of way to do that. But I think a behind-the-scenes tour would be a really cool way to do that. Like you were saying, this isn't an indication that there has been you know, too much lack of interest and it is a failure. I think that they just needed to figure out how they can kind of thicken the crowds. And of course, because it is expensive, it's not going to be something that's immensely popular. But I do think that this is something that... You know, in the future, I would love to see them replicate because it is so different and so interesting. And I, again, we, we talked before about some other properties that we thought could potentially work. And they're not all even Disney properties, but this is just such a unique experience. And then so I I really, really do think that it it's not a failure. I do wish it was bigger. That's yeah. my one complaint is I wish it was bigger. I wish there was more interaction in the um, in Batu. Like I wish there was more some things going on there when you have that day, but I think that all overall it's a massive success. Yeah, I think my problem with people saying it's a failure again, it seems to be 
they're pointing to it's it's too expensive and i think they're they're pointing to that of oh nobody wants to go book this it's a failure and i think we haven't heard anything from disney saying that it is a failure now obviously cutting back on uh voyages and things like that it, again it doesn't look great but i have to imagine disney's making money on this and i think again they just have to figure out what works in terms of how many voyages they need to have again to be profitable i think it's kind of crazy to think that this is something they've never done before never some something that's never been done in themed entertainment that it was going to be a hundred percent booked every single day for decades you know i mean i i think you had to expect that they're not going to be able to fill this all the time that they're going to have to make changes to it. I mean, you're not going to run this same story with the sequel characters for the next decade just because Star Wars is going to come out with new characters that people want to see. So naturally, this is going to get updated to a certain extent. So I think that's my biggest thing. And and I think it remains to be seen because, again, it's been a year. If it really is a true success or a true failure, I think right now it's doing okay. And I think, yeah, that's my biggest concern. It's just people are just want to jump on any negative news item on this and be like, look, look, you know, Disney screwed up here. And the last piece of news I'm very excited about moving over to Marvel, the new Daredevil series, Daredevil Born Again, they announced that John Berthal will be back as the Punisher, which I think is the best news for this show besides that Charlie Cox is back as Matthew Murdock, the Daredevil. I think the two of them being back in this series uh, bodes very well for the Marvel kind of cinematic universe. And I think those were the two best characters from the Netflix shows. And then you also have Wilson Fisk, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio back as Wilson Fisk. So I think you got the best characters from Netflix. So I'm very excited about that. I will be interested to see how they handle the Punisher over in the MCU, yes. if they kind of tone them down some. Well, this is the part that, yeah, I think that you bring up that's very interesting because the Punisher, you know, is very rough around the edges, very much a uh, an anti-hero. And so for him to be brought over to Disney, it is a little bit interesting because, again, they're going to have to, you know, file them, file his edges down and make him a little bit less violent. But I am so excited because Birthfall is such a really great actor for this role and so for them to bring him in along with charlie cox who i always want to call charlie day like always want to call him charlie i mean it's like three letters last name that's why i think i will be interested because you're gonna have deadpool which i believe they're keeping as an r-rated movie and that's gonna be Mm. part of the mcu so i will be interested to see is daredevil are they gonna tone it down and make it kind of the PG-13 that the rest of the MCU is? Or do they really go all out with this series, make it you know, kind of R-rated, make it mature, and really kind of stick to what worked with the Netflix series, which again was a very adult-themed, very violent, very graphic. Daredevil was, um, but The Punisher was even more. So you know, do they stick with that? Because I think that's really what the fans want. And you could still have them in the movies and then other shows and kind of tone them down. Like, like you had daredevil and she Hulk. I think daredevil worked in she Hulk and kind of like that more PG 13 family friendly format, but in his own show, do you kind of go grittier with him and with the Punisher? So I think that will be interesting to see. Every time somebody says the word gritty now, I just think of the Philadelphia Flyers uh, mascot, which if you don't know what the Philadelphia Flyers mascot looks like, Look um, him up. He looks like a deranged Muppet. A, yeah, a Muppet that got into something that is not good for you. I'm actually surprised the Muppets haven't sued them for 
like tarnishing the good name of Muppets everywhere. <laughs> but he is he is by far the best mascot in any sport, and we're not even from Philly. Like he's the best. So anyway, that's all I have to say about that. It has nothing to do with <laughs> with the Punisher. But yeah. all right, with that. But I think it, to wrap that up is I think we're both very excited. <laughs> we are so excited that John Barthol's back as the Punisher. And with this being our episode on the do's and don'ts of the Dopey Challenge, it's perfect that our sponsor this week is a book about helping you stay committed to running and exercising. Yeah, absolutely. So we're so happy to be sponsored by The Power of the Streak, an easy-to-read book by Kara Wood that actually answers the age-old question of how to stay consistent with exercise and keep motivated over time. And we actually got a copy of this book, and reading through it, uh, it's pretty amazing reading about Kara's story where she was somebody who, like me, I feel like, I feel like I'm the target audience for this, somebody that has a hard time staying motivated, staying consistent. But she wasn't very consistent in her running, but then she took on this streak and through kind of the principles she teaches in the book, she's had a streak going for 12 years now. She's run at least five days a week for 12 years. And through this, she's had children. She has a full-time job. And through all of that, She's been able to keep this streak going of running five days a week for 12 straight years, which is inspiring in and of itself. So reading it, you know, she really breaks it down and uh, it, it's really interesting. And there's a lot of, I think, good tips in there, again, for somebody like me, who I feel like is the target audience <laughs> of... I'm I'm looking forward to kind of implementing some of this say, stuff. I was going to say, I feel like everybody is the target audience, though, because it's hard to find the time to want to be dedicated to that. And then also a lot of people do have super busy lives. You know, I really, really give a lot of kudos to people who have kids because I was thinking about this this week and what time I'd have to get up to try to, you know, make sure that I still could get a chance to run. So I just think that anybody could be, it would be a great book for anyone to read. Even me, even though I do it frequently, I, it would be very easy to fall off that horse. And the book overall is really relatable and inspiring, like we talked about. I mean, running for 12 years, having that streak mm -hmm. alive uh, is super inspiring. Plus, she gives you a step-by-step -step guide on how you can do the same thing. And, you know, we're talking about running because obviously if you want to run the Dopey Challenge, you have to be committed to running. But she kind of covers any exercise. So it doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have to be running. It doesn't have to be cardio. It can really be any exercise that you can use these principles for. Plus, a percentage of royalties are actually donated to the Special Olympics. And so buying the book is a win-win. Definitely. So the book is The Power of the Streak by Kara Wood. It's available on all formats on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. We'll put a link to the description uh, if you're interested. Plus, you can check out the audiobook on iTunes or Audible or follow The Power of the Streak on Instagram at The Power of the Streak and on Twitter at Power of Streak. All right, so let's get into specifically tips for the dopey challenge. And I guess you could use these for basically any run Disney race, but you're about a month to go here until registration for the dopey challenge opens. So it opens on April 11th. So if you're interested in running any of the races on marathon weekend, maybe you want to do your first half marathon, your first marathon, maybe you're crazy like Angela and you're actually going to try to do the dopey <laughs> challenge. You got about a month to go. So if you're thinking about it, you got some time to get your mind right. So we thought we would cover some do's and don'ts. Angela's going to talk more specifically dopey challenge specific because she just completed that in January. I'll kind of talk from my perspective on just like run Disney running in general uh, because I've not done the dopey challenge. Don't really have any desire to do it, but I do a lot of run <laughs> Disney races. But and you I, did say you might want to do the marathon. Yeah, th I think I'm maybe not this year coming up, but would like to maybe do the run Disney marathon. So again, some things to think about to make sure 
it makes sense to you, again, you got about a month to think about this before uh, you decide if you really want to sign up or not. So our first and do is just train. What's really important about this is that you need to find a program that works for you. There's tons of them out there. So I know that there's the Galloway method. A lot of people who do the Run Disney events do that, which is run, walk, run, which is a really nice way of doing it where you run for a period, then you can kind of like let your heart rate come down and then you'll run again. Um, and so that's a really awesome way of doing it. I did a different training app. I used the Playbook app with, and Sally McRae, who's an ultra runner. So I did hers just because I wanted to train um, I wasn't. Just, I didn't train specifically for the marathon. That distance. was focused more on like strength and running. So that it was. It was a 50k training program. So that's actually a little. That's like a 30. I forget how many miles. It's like yeah, 30 that, some miles. So it was built more for distance. And again, I yes. think if you're doing the dopey challenge, you need to make sure you're training for a distance because obviously you have to run a marathon, which is long. But I don't think people realize kind of the toll it takes and the preparation of yeah. running four races in a row. So running a marathon one is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that is a huge accomplishment, but the fact that you have to run a marathon the day after you've run a half marathon, which you have to run the day after you've just run, you know, nine miles over the past two days. I mean, the 5k and the 10k, that's pretty easy to do back to back. But right. after you do nine miles, you're doing a half marathon, then you're doing a marathon. You have to train. So like, I think that's a good point you had where you train for, again, a 30 mile race, because if you're training for just a marathon, that's great. But I don't feel like you're going to have kind of the stamina to do the four races in a row. If you if you do a marathon training program, I'm sure that there are probably ones out there specifically also designed for the dopey where you maybe are doing a half marathon and then instead of taking a rest day the next day, which is usually pretty typical, you'll probably do then a, another long um, another long run after that long run. So, I mean, just find something that makes sense and just don't go into it like, eh, I've run a half marathon before. I think I'm going to be okay because that's a really good way to hurt yourself. Yeah, you got to stay committed. And I think that's a good point. I think any training you do, the, the important thing, especially when you're doing the dopey, is stacking running days one after another whereas i think yeah a lot of a lot of if you're training for a half marathon or a marathon you'll have rest days where it's important to continue to work out have that strength even on those rest days strength training to build that up and then and it is also important to recognize that you shouldn't be training at a super high level every single day either so you're not running and pounding and pounding and pounding day after day after day after day because you cannot your body can't take that and you're going to break down and you're not going to be recovered in order to do your long run days. So definitely find a program where somebody, again, will pace you for that and will give you days where you're not doing something that is as, is as intense. I was going to say the other thing is that the pace you have to keep on these races, that's something to remember too. You don't, don't feel like you have to keep a, you know, five minute mile. I mean, you're not running the Olympics here or anything like that. Like the, the pace for the run Disney races is a 16 minute mile and it's a 16 minute mile from the last person to cross the start line. So if you're, yeah, this isn't a race that Kipchoge's trying to, to run. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Even if you're not the last person across the start line, you have more than a 16 minute mile pace to keep. So, right. so remember that. So I think to your point, you don't have to push it every day when you're training. If you maybe train, 
you know, if you're maybe going to run a 10 minute mile as your target and one day you're training at a 15 or 16 minute mile, the fact that you're just getting the miles in, that's what really matters at the end of the day. Absolutely. And again, you're going to stop for characters. So if you have to stop for a second and tie your shoe or stop for a second because you need to catch your breath or there's a beautiful, you're running outside and there's a beautiful like stream and you want to take a picture of it, stop and then tell yourself, hey, this is a character stop. So you don't have to take it. Don't take it so seriously that it's not fun. And I think that kind of ties into one of the don'ts, and that's don't feel like just missing one workout will kill you. So as much yes. as we talked about, and again, I mean, seeing you train for this, you were running multiple days in a row, you, you were doing training multiple days in a row. But in the same respect, you also have to realize life I mean, the tra- happens. The training itself is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're training for months. If you start training from the day you sign up, it's going to be eight to nine months of training. So you have to remember that, yes, you have to be dedicated, but missing one day isn't going to derail your training. It's how you kind of come back from that of, of missing one day. If you get right back on your training plan, you're going to be fine. Yeah. My program that I did, I think I started training in September. And so I trained from September until like January or the very end of December. Cause the last week is usually a taper, um, which means that you're not running as much if you're not into running it's letting your body recover before you actually hit the race i it, during that time frame i definitely missed workouts i definitely i missed one long run completely um and i had another one where i actually had to break it up into two pieces because it was pouring outside and so i was really bummed about that and kind of beating myself up about it and then i realized like this isn't this isn't that serious like it, it's going to be okay because you're putting the work in and so that one run is is really in the grand scheme of things it's not going to kill you. Now, if you miss one run, the next day you're like, I don't want to do this one. And then it, it snowballs, then that's something Well, that's else. what I'm saying. It's, but it's how one you, run is yeah, fine. Yeah, it's how, you, it's how you come back from the miss. Or, right. or if you have a, a training day that doesn't go well, or you know maybe you're a little sore, a little injured, so you take a couple days off. Again, it's, it's how you come back from all of that that's what's important and what's going to make you successful, not the fact that, again, you miss something. And you can always sub in, you know, a lot of times programs have like a recovery run or something built in. You can sub in some other form. There is no such thing as a recovery yes, run. There is. I'm gonna I you say this all the time. It is an oxymoron. You cannot it's run not. and recover. Running is hard. It is not fun. There is not when okay. I go out and run, I don't think, wow, I can just feel my body recovering from all of I'm this. I'm gonna put you on the treadmill and I'm gonna put you on at like five miles per hour and I'm just gonna tell you to run there. And you're gonna be yeah. like, Oh, this isn't very hard. And I'm not no, gonna run. No, recover from it but your heart rate stays low enough that you are not you could you could do that for a very long period of time and that's yeah. what a recovery runs oh, wow. i'm is. not recovering it's loosening your body and kind of letting you know how else my heart recovers spa day spa day <laughs> that's how else, that's how i recover but anyway back to my, my point. recovery day is a spa day. back to my point on a recovery day, say you might want to go swim instead, or you might want to ride a, uh, a bike instead. And those are also, you know, you can sub those things in and not feel like you have to be super rigid and sticking to your program. Um, and a lot of programs actually will include in that in as an option. Another major thing about running long distances is you have to eat. And so you need to test your pre-race meals also, and also your fueling that you're taking it as you're running. So for me, I learned very quickly some foods that do not sit well with me and some foods that do. It's really important. Don't plan McDonald's during the race. (laughs) No, no, definitely no McDonald's. Um, like I know that like 
corn does not sit well with me. You know like what? there's certain I, things. I was just thinking about this. Disney, when you run the run Disney races, they pass out like little food treats, right? Mm-hmm. Like they should be passing out Mickey bars and stuff. Where's all the Mickey shaped food? Mickey pretzels, Mickey bars. I would I would really enjoy that. I don't think that's probably a great idea to eat ice cream and stuff while you're running a race, but it would motivate me more to run to the next like food stop. Wasn't uh, didn't Don Muchal say that they greeted him? Was it a him or no? Who was it that they greeted with Mickey bars? Yeah, it was him. Yeah, when he ran coast to coast, he ran yeah. from Disneyland to Disney World. Yeah. yeah, he had a Mickey bar. But yeah, I don't think when you're running a marathon, you want to be eating Mickey bars. I'm just saying, where's the Mickey shaped snacks? At the Run Disney events. I will say the pretzel would actually be probably pretty good. It has the salt content and it has like the carb content that your body can digest really well. And of course, when you're running that that far, you need the salt as well. But you don't want that while you're actually running. When you're running, you want something like high sugar. I would almost wonder if you could eat eat pretzel. pretzel. This is something I want to try now. I'm going to buy a Mickey pretzel next time. And then I'm gonna take it with me as my as my snack that while I'm eating while, while you're running. And this completely goes against everything I'm telling you to do right now, this which is, is test it in advance. Don't listen to this. But yeah, but like what they pass <laughs> out are like they have like those like energy jelly beans or mm-hmm. like the honey stingers. Again, it's it's something that's like high sugar, high energy, like really easy to to eat and digest while you're running, which is what you want, but you want to try it all out beforehand. Absolutely, because you don't want to eat something that is going to make you sick. Um, I know for me, one of the most popular forms of um, like the goo that you can take in is literally goo, G-U. And for me, there were some of them that actually kind of like didn't sit well. Like it kind of gave me like stomach cramps and things when I was running. And I didn't love, love, love the consistency of them. So I switched over to Huma gel. That really worked well for me. I found that my body really liked it. It's like derived from chia seeds. So I, I felt like a little more comfortable with the, the source there. And I also really like the Honey Stinger um, chews. And also they have gels. There's, Joe loves the, the Honey chew, Stinger. The one. Honey Stinger they should sponsor us. are great. Yeah, if they want to send me some free ones. Uh, I will take them and talk them up. They are delicious. I had the pink lemonade ones today when I was running, and they were so good. I want to try them. Obviously, the stuff that you're eating while you're running, it's about like, I think the rules like every 40 minutes or so, you want to be taking in some calories. You obviously want to be drinking that whole time and taking in electrolytes because you're losing salt and um, food. And that's something that if you've never run a longer race, you never really have to plan for that because you really don't need to be really taking in all those calories unless you're running like over like an hour, hour and a half. So if you're running the half marathon, probably a good idea or the full marathon. Also, definitely you definitely need nutrition because it will keep you from crashing and burning and not being able to do anything for the rest of the day. And it'll just make you feel better. The thing that I think a lot of people don't think about, and I know I didn't really hone mine in fully, was that pre-race meal or pre-race meals because you just have to watch what you eat because it's a it's a storied thing that runners will go to the race. It happened to me once, and you're visiting the Portage on three four times um, before and during the race, which nobody really wants. You want to you want to be able to make sure that you've taken care of all of that stuff beforehand. You want to make sure that you know what's going to your body's going to be able to digest really well. Again, these are things that are high carb. Oftentimes, you know, people tell you to eat pasta. You don't want to eat things that are really high fiber because those are the things that 
make you go. Yeah, I mean, I think the the big key thing is here is is don't like do anything new the week you're down there at Disney. So like yeah. make sure you've prepped beforehand and know again to your point like what doesn't sit well with you. Try eating like okay, I'm going to go to Disney, you know, I'm going to plan to go to this restaurant, so I'm going to yep. eat this. So like eat that beforehand like during your training and try running and seeing yes, how that works. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about because we went to Mama Melrose because one of the reasons like we wanted to go to Mama Melrose because we, we did could the get fantastic a, dinner package. Yeah, we and we could get that. Well, that's not the only reason, but yeah, because we can get pasta. And again, we knew that that was going to sit well. We were really trying. Yeah, that too. To make sure we went to uh, Le Cellier and I got French fries, which again, I mean, that's greasy, but I knew that that was again a potato. It's high high um, carb, and so I wanted to make sure that I was eating things that I knew was going to provide me energy the next day, and again, I'd be able to digest them well. So when you're not at home, you can't really control what you're eating as much. So just know what they have at the theme parks and kind of plan accordingly. That's kind of a do and a don't. So do plan beforehand, practice your nutrition, work that into your training regimen. And then just write down what works well for you and what doesn't work well for you so that you can kind of hone that in. Right. And then don't do anything new when you're down at Disney. And kind of along with that, not nutrition based, but of not doing something new, and this is something I learned very well at the last run Disney race is <laughs> don't run with a prop or a costume that you haven't trained with. So in the same way, you should be figuring out what works well for you in terms of like nutrition and sleep schedule and all that sort of stuff. You should also be trying on your costumes and your outfits. So y'all, I felt so bad for Joe. So what happened with me is we ran as kite tails and I was the jet ski driver. And so I and made, this was the half marathon. Yeah, right? this was yeah. this was the half marathon. Well, because our other costume that we did together was a fleece onesie as <laughs> Chippendale. And I was like, I know I can't run 13 miles in a fleece onesie. I'll do that for the 5K. And it was a good thing we did that because it was colder that day yeah. than it was the half marathon yeah. day. And uh and it got hot by the end of a 5K run in a fleece onesie. So we were we were kite tails for the half marathon. I made a cardboard jet ski to wear. <laughs> and I wanted to like attach it to myself and I, I kind of didn't have time. And you said, Oh no, like just use suspenders. You'll be able to do it with suspenders. And I thought, okay, that I think this will work. So we got some suspenders. It seemed to work. Like I tested it and it, it seemed to hold, but I didn't actually try it while running. And then I very quickly learned once we started that while running, it slipped out of the suspenders. So I had to kind of keep trying to reattach it. Uh, and then eventually like, all it fell out of all the suspenders and I was holding it for a while as I was running it. So it was uh, very difficult to run with because you couldn't use your yes. arms. Yeah. So Joe couldn't, use, he had no way of, he was running without his arms. So he was running like Tina from Bob's Burgers basically. And he had no way to propel himself forward with his, like with his arms. And so if you've ever tried to run like that for any length of time, you quickly realize that your arms are very important yeah. in so the running motion. It was extremely difficult. And I was just like, Hey, I got to get to the castle. Like that was my goal because within a few miles, like, this thing was not staying on. And I was like, I just, I'm so close. A couple more miles, I get to the castle. So I did. I made it to the castle. I got some pictures. Um, and there's actually a, a photo op right in front of the castle that you pull off for. And at that point, I took our picture and then I just set the cardboard down. 
and it's a funny moment, at least to me. I thought it was funny, but there's a cast member standing there because I felt weird, like I'm just leaving this here. You were you were littering in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and so I turned to the cast member and I was just like, I'm just gonna leave this here, okay? And then she just kind of laughed at me and said, like, Yeah, that's fine, because it's like buy a trash can. So I wanted to know, like, I don't want this. I'm sure that happens a lot where this like stuff is, you know, people take like you know a long sleeve shirt and they take it off as they get warm or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I just like dumped it there. And it was much better the second half of the race because I didn't have this cardboard jet ski on me. So I learned a valuable lesson there of one, probably don't wear cardboard items whenever you're doing your costume. So keep your costume light, keep it so that again, you're not like wearing something that has to stay attached to you. But definitely if you're going to do anything like that, make sure you run some distance beforehand to make sure everything is going to hold together. How do you think the woman wearing the inflatable Kevin actually fared? Because you didn't do so well with your cardboard, but hers was ginormous and her arms were out to the side. Do you think that she finished with her inflatable Kevin? I don't know. That's what I, I see people and you've, I've seen people where they've done whole outfits of cardboard where they're like the tower of terror or, uh-huh. you know, people wear or people frequently will run with like some sort of a flag, not in Disney, yeah, like not were, run pe- Disney. People were like trading cards or some people are like the old, like VHS containers mm-hmm. and stuff. No, but again, their arms were a little free. Yeah. I think the fact that like, like it completely encloses you probably makes it easier to at least stay on and you don't have to deal with it as much. But yeah, I definitely, I would recommend not doing any sort of cardboard thing. Again, keeping it more like athletic, keeping it like lighter, uh, airier. So again, you don't overheat. It's easier to run with, but definitely, definitely, definitely. I learned my lesson practice beforehand honestly i think if you would if we would have put holes in your cardboard and then use like rubber bands or something to keep those metal things shut you would have been okay it would have bounced a little but it i think you would have been all right okay so another huge huge thing and a lot of people i don't think necessarily realize this about running and particularly running long, long distances is your attitude everything you can do all the training in the world and if your mind gives up you're not gonna make it so keep a positive they're attitude. they're not gonna make it they're not gonna make it <laughs> oh they made it i knew you guys would <laughs> Th- that's your mind that's my mind running a race basically <laughs> well, the end okay of so dinosaur. don't don't be dinosaur yeah make sure that you actually you know you gotta believe in yourself you actually believe for example, a marathon distance because it's the longest distance. A lot of people will say it's it's three it's a three ten system. So it's ten ten and ten. So you run ten miles. That's your first part. You run ten miles. That's your second part. That gets you to twenty miles. And then the last part isn't ten miles. It's only a ten k. Only a ten k. So it's kind of it's it's breaking up in your mind, like tricking right. yourself. I'm not running twenty six miles. I'm running ten miles. Oh, good job. Now I'm just going to yes. go run another ten. Good job. Now I'm just going to run a 10K. Like it's, yes. it's, it's tricking so, yourself into shorter distances. And it, it is really, it is an interesting thing when you do that. And I found that, you know, when I was training in particular, always the first hour I always thought was like the, the hardest because mentally you're saying I have, you know, I would train for a length of time, not a, not a specific distance. So if I was running four hours, I would say, okay, I'm my one out of four hours in. This is like, that first hour was difficult. But then like the second hour, a lot of times I would kind of settle in and then I'd get to the point and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm half done. So now I have half of it behind me, which means all I have to do is do that again. And like those little tricks, I mean, you can of course think of it differently and say, oh my gosh, I have to do that again. But even just kind of changing that phrasing in your mind really just helps 
with kind of digesting what it is that you have to do to help you push forward. Yeah, and you can do that with, I mean, any length of distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you or know, anything. Yeah, I mean, you you could break up a half marathon into three fives. See it as two five miles and then a five k. You know, at the end. So you you can break anything up like that. And I think yeah, if breaking things up into smaller increments kind of helps your mind better mm-hmm. like digest them of like again oh i gotta go out and run 20 some miles or 10 miles whatever it is but if it's like oh i gotta run three miles and just another three miles another three miles it's kind of like the um unbreakable kimmy schmidt where like she was always oh anybody can do anything for 10 seconds but it was just like they were just constantly like they had that crank in their bunker but they just did it over and over again just 10 second increments you know it's just like oh 10 seconds isn't that hard and then uh, it's like, all right, they hit 10 and they got tough. It was like, all right, then you just count back again. So you can kind of do anything if you trick your mind. It's a small enough increment. Yeah. And th- there's all kinds of tricks like that. You know, if you're training outside and you're running on a hill and running on hills is not fun. So instead of staring up at the top of the hill, I mean, you might want to glance, but stare at the ground in front of your feet and you just say like, it's this next step. It's this next step. It's this next step. And before you know it, you're to the top of the hill. And again, like I really found that doing that training really did help me. And actually I felt like I was probably even happier than I am now because I was able to kind of apply a lot of those little mental tricks and those ways that I would finish my training to my everyday. So, you know, if I was at work and I was really frustrated on a given day, I'd say, okay, well, I was really frustrated frustrated earlier. That was kind of bad earlier, but I'm done with that now. And I have maybe an hour left to go. I can make it another hour. I've made it, you know, six hours already. So those things are, are really helpful. And that's one of the reasons why if you're thinking about signing up for the dopey or just even, you know, your first marathon or your first half marathon or 5k, do it, like do it because those things are really the like learning those tricks that you learn from doing these different athletic endeavors are so applicable to life as well. Yeah. And, and our last don't here, and I think this is especially important if you're doing the dopey because you are going to be putting so many miles in, but don't kind of skimp on the equipment you have. So specifically with your shoes. Yeah. So obviously all of your equipment, again, like your, your nutrition, all that other sort of stuff we talked about, I mean, find high quality stuff, but your shoes are really important because yes. you, you don't want to be running on shoes that don't have the right support or that are worn out. Like if you're training mm-hmm. for the dopey, you're probably going to need a couple pairs of shoes. Yep. Because you're going to be putting in so many miles. Because a, a good pair of running shoes is only good for about like 300 miles running. You want to make sure you're not wearing them out because that's how you're going to get hurt. And you also want a couple pairs in rotation because you don't want to be running. Again, like we talked about, you don't want to be doing something new on race day. You don't want to be wearing a new pair of shoes the day you're running these races. Right. If you have a local running store that you can go to, go there, see if they can, you know, take a look at your foot, check out your arch, see what it is that maybe you need, analyze your gait, because all of those things, they will make suggestions of different kinds of shoes for you. I know a lot of people like Hoka's, a lot of people I wore, um, for the first time I wore Mizuno, uh, the wave skies, which I actually really enjoyed. You ran in Brooks, um, glycerins. I've run in those before too. Those are really great. So find a shoe that, fits you again if if it's if you're starting to get like blisters you're starting to get you know issues with your feet or pains some of that stuff can be 
a actual side effect of you needing new running shoes. Part of it might be that you need to do some strength training. If you're noticing little ailments or little issues, look it up online and you can sometimes find out. I know I had an issue with uh, one of the muscles in the outside of my leg. If you look that up, you can start doing some strength training for those areas. And a lot of times you can actually make them better. But yeah, your your footwear is critical. But it's definitely an investment. I mean, like, oh, like, yeah. like you said, I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 buying a few pairs of shoes. Again, you want to find good shoes with good support. You could buy special running socks, which help, which will help with things like mm-hmm. blisters or or different things like that. But I mean, it's definitely a commitment. But I think if you're somebody that again, you're looking to run a marathon, you're looking to run the dopey, you're obviously committed. So mm-hmm. again, don't go. Well, I'm committed to doing this. I'm committed to the training. You know, you spend hundreds of dollars to get into Run Disney just to register for the event. So don't be like, well, I'm just going to use the pair of shoes I've had for years or I'm going to buy one pair of shoes and, you know, run 600 miles on them training. If you're going to do it, spend the extra money, get the equipment you need and make sure you have a good experience. You don't hurt yourself. All that being said, remember at the end of the day, have fun. You're at (laughs) Disney World. You know, you're on vacation again it's <laughs> a weird vacation that you're getting up at 3 a.m and running every day but enjoy it i mean take it in it's it's maybe something you'll do again i mean there's people out there that have done every single dopey challenge yeah, for, talk for, to one. for 10 years mm-hmm. um that's how long they've been doing the dopey there's people that have been at every single marathon that they've had at run disney but maybe this is going to be the only one you do or maybe you do it every couple of years so enjoy it take it in you run through the parks which is an incredible experience to be behind the scenes like that and to see the parks at, at times where there's not a lot of crowds you get to you know stop get your picture taken with the characters just overall have fun you you worked hard you trained hard so enjoy the reward of that yeah and take the time to look around you while you're while you're running because again like people are so creative with their costumes and what they're doing. Um, It's really a great place to kind of see the community that you're kind of involving yourself in. And of course, you're a Disney fan, so that's why you're doing it. So you get to see not just the characters, but the other people and how out of the way they go in making these amazing costumes and kind of training and showing each other what the human body can accomplish and it's it really is an amazing event and so even though you joke that it isn't a vacation it it definitely is because it's just a different kind it's a, a vacation it's definitely one that you're going to remember because it's hard it's not easy but there's just so many really awesome, wonderful moments. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Well, that wraps up the show for this week. Uh, if any of our listeners are planning to do the Dopey Challenge next year or planning to run a Run Disney event, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know uh, over on our Instagram page, Enchanted Ears Podcast. Send us a message. Uh, we'd love to hear who's planning to to go do the Dopey next year. <laughs> yeah, and if you guys have any specific questions that you want me to answer, you can always send a like message to the Enchanted Ears Podcast um, on Instagram. And I can answer that for you. Definitely. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. And we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.